Hello, this is Dan Housing. You are listening with your ears to the real wrestling podcast housing of some sort. It's very nice, very evil, Dan Housing is told. Listen, or else be cursed. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Real Wrestling Podcast. I am, as ever, your resident belt guy, Paul. And joining myself and JP today, we've got a very special guest all the way from America, the two-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Nick Aldis. Hello, guys. How are you? We're very well. How are you? Yeah. I'm, I'm very well. I'm uh, just taking, uh, trying, to, trying, to get, uh, trying to get all my stuff done for the day so that I can get some rest and get ready for, for Oak Grove, Kentucky tomorrow with this uh, I Quit match. Ah, oh, yes, yes. The Power Trip show. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Valor Hall's a real good, real good venue. It's got a real sort of, it's, it's really good for wrestling. It's kind of perfect for the NWA because it's in the kind of wrestling country, but it's, yep. um, it's got like a really good atmosphere and the, you know, there's loads of space. The dressing rooms are great. It's just, it's one of those venues that, you sort of look forward to going to so yeah. it reminds me a lot actually of um a lot of the venues that i used to work for in the uk for brian dixon it kind of has that same sort of feel to it like a sort yeah. of good sized hall but like everyone but you know there's there's not a bad seat in the house uh, every, everyone's kind of there it's a real family crowd really sort of just sort of yay boo crowd it's really fun and refreshing yeah it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun we're we're definitely looking forward to watching it ourselves yeah so we're just going to get straight into it. But before we get into that, if you are new around here, please do like and subscribe. It does really help us out and it means a massive amount to us. Also, while you're here, do check out store.realwrestling.net where we've got everything from autographs to figures. And don't forget to check us out on Patreon where you'll get access to some of the cheapest wrestling content on the platform as well as uncut podcasts, extra video series as well as entry into next season's prediction league where you can win your own real wrestling championship there's no right or wrong way to support us but just know we appreciate you being here now the first question we ask everyone who comes on our podcast nick is probably one of the oldest and greatest questions who is your favorite wrestler of all time um i'd probably i'd say all time um bret hart It's it's really it's tough for me. Brett was my hero, you know. Um, there's a lot of people that really inspired me to to get into the business, um, and I'd say in that in that respect, Triple H and Rock were both very instrumental in that because I was you know I was really at the sort of peak of my fandom in like 2000 when they were just that you know I think the year 2000 WWF is just so untouchable as a sort of but I know that I might be I might just be looking at it with nostalgia as well, but it's just you know you go back and watch those those shows and it was just like just a just a who's who and the crowds were so hot and it was just the perfect mix of like the attitude era but starting to move into like a little bit better in ring action and stuff and yeah you know, Triple H and Rock just carried just you know they just I mean they were just like head and shoulders you know and that's saying something when you had Mick and Undertaker and you know all these stars and like just something about those two but um. Brett was always my hero as a kid. You know, I'm a 90s kid. So it was sort of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Ghostbusters yeah. and Bret Hart, you know, and <laughs> Man United. Absolutely. So it was yeah. kind of like, that, that was, it was kind of like my time was sort of evenly divided between those things. And um, 
and then you know just brett stuff is so timeless you know you go i can i can put on a brett hart match like if any time that i'm gonna study tape which i still do a lot it's like more often than not it's going to be a brett match or it's going to be a flair match um because they were just the masters of psychology and telling a story and you know they knew how to deliver that sort of big match the type world title match like to me they were the they were the they were my two favorite world champions yeah like for very different reasons but yeah. you know but i've sort of tried to and, and i would put bockwinkle in there as well like those are the three guys who very underrated sort of, nowadays as well oh yeah but yeah, yeah i mean I'll, I'll, because the majority of his career was awa so it's you know so yeah. it's kind of washed away but the um the, for me like when i try to sort of i try to model myself after champions you know it's sort of like okay there's a there's a difference between how you wrestle you know a regular match and how you wrestle as a championship match and it's like for me Bockwinkle, brett and flair were the three guys that i can just sort of pick up i can watch over and over again and always pick up something new yeah i can completely agree with that and i can tell you now um ads are my our fellow partner will be thrilled that brett hart's your favorite because he is an absolute massive brett hart fan so He'd have been happy to hear that. Massive is <laughs> an understatement, really. Yeah, yeah it? it really is. Um, That's JP, the thing about wanna... Brett is like you have. It's something I'd say. The only other, the only, the, the other person I would say has the same kind of thing as Jeff Hardy, is that like there are certain like there's something different about Brett Hart fans. Like Brett Hart fans are his fans for life. Yeah. You know, right, like. Right. And and that's the same about Jeff. You know, I talked recently on Conan's show about Jeff because they were, you know, obviously bringing up some of his, you know, some of his um, recent kind of situation with WWE and what have you. And, and I said, you know, I was I was on many a TNA house show that if Jeff Hardy was not on the card would have been cancelled. <laughs> you know, oh, like really? he, I mean, he carried the whole promotion, and no one talks about it because. The, the t because you know the tv is kind of what is what's remembered historically but like yeah, no. he carried tna on his back for like two years oh. like in terms of the live events like and 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 i would argue that point with anybody because i was there and like yeah there were times where and this was when i was like low man on the totem pole but there were times where we would go to jeff and be like is there anything you need you good you know because the guy was beating himself to death but like everybody was counting on him you yeah. know and and his because his fans would throw themselves in front of a train for him you know what i mean like they was they were so loyal and dedicated to jeff that you know they were going to be there no matter what and it's like that's a i'd say him and brett from the two guys that i've i've seen personally that have that kind of connection with their fans um what was the path you took to become a wrestler in the first place Pretty straightforward. I uh, I wanted to I wanted to do it, and I um I was a sports kid. I played everything. My my dad was a rugby player, so I was we you know we came from a sort of sports family, and I um I just I fell in love with the business, and I and I basically sort of made the decision. I started lifting weights very young. I was I knew I was skinny, so I was sort of I I, I kind of had this I I just I was just very sort of practical. I. I <laughs> had a sort of um, pragmatic approach where, right, I sort of, and, and you know, my, I, my parents are, you know, very instrumental in that as well, because once I, once I had the courage to sort of articulate that I wanted to try it, 
they, they were like, okay, well, you better, better start lifting weights, better put on some size, you know, you better like, which is quite funny when you consider they were sort of two, you know, middle-class British people from a little village in Norfolk. But yeah. they had the wherewithal to be like, well, you better start studying, you better start reading up, and you better lift weights, and you better, you know, whatever. And uh, my dad, especially, you know, because he he looked at it from an athlete perspective and said, well, just go ahead and do it, but you know, just do it properly. And so I went and trained with the Knight family, who fortunately for me were close by in Norwich, so you know, I started going to their camps and. Uh, went and did some more training at drop kicks, which is where I met like Marty and uh, Stu and um, Shah and so, you know, so many guys who went on to, to have do great things. And, um, and Doug, Doug Williams was, came as a guest, yeah. guest trainer. Doug was kind of like the man then, you know, every, every, every young British wrestler sort of looked up to Doug because he was the guy going everywhere. He's the father of and British sort of wrestling. Flying yeah. the flag. Yeah. And, and so, and he, you know, for him to take, take a you know a free sunday that he had area here and there to come and work with us was you know huge and so just between those two things i just started working shows and holiday camps and you know battle royals and six man tags and eventually got you know and then eventually earned the right to get a singles and luckily because i'd been working out for quite a long time by then i stood out compared to the other guys my age because i was like 17 yeah but compared to other the other guys sort of 17 18 I had a decent physique. So then like so then like Brian, like Brian Dixon and John Fremantle and the sort of the, the more well-known promoters. Obviously Dixon was the number one by a long way. Mm. He 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 took one look at me and went, All right, you're booked. You know, and, and <laughs> that's why I always tell that's why I always tell young guys, like, no one's asking you to be Lex Luger. Yeah. But yeah. I'm just telling you from my point of view, like my career advanced much faster because I was in shape. Yeah. Like it's a cosmetic business, you know, and, and if you're going to, if you're going to decide early on, I've had to see this with guys that like who come to seminars, I've done this stuff where they'll sort of go, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not really a gym guy. I'm kind of like, okay. Like, well, so what, what are you in this business for then? Good you know, like, yeah. well, <laughs> you know, like just because, just because there are, there is a variety of shapes and sizes of wrestling. It doesn't mean you have to sort of decide that you're not going, you know, I just, I never yeah. understood that. But anyway, that was, that was it. And I just, I got, I got stuck in and managed to go full time at like 18 and 19 with Dixon. And I just sort of never looked back. I just was able to just keep plugging away and, you know, hustling for opportunities. And then gladiators came along and, you know, that I used, so it was like that got me to gladiators and then gladiators got me to TNA and so on and so forth. Amazing you mentioned the gladiators because obviously I remember watching that and I just remember seeing you the first time and you got the mic and you were doing your promo and I thought he'd make a good wrestler. And obviously I didn't know at the time that you already were, but right. in my head I was just like, yeah, he'd be a good wrestler. So You know what's funny is, uh, <laughs> so I had, I had already started talking to TNA. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, wow. Not, no, I'm saying like I was, this was, this was after season one. I had no. already started. Um, they they did a FSM did a feature on me, yeah, and uh, it happened to be the first time that a TNA guy was on the cover, which was AJ. So that FSM was being was being handed around at TNA HQ in Nashville. Oh wow! And Dixie got a hold of it and was like, "There's like a six page feature on this British kid," and they were doing really good numbers in the UK. Mm. 
and they were sort of going, we need, we need more, we need another British talent. Cause they, they, they were booking Doug, but they were just kind of booking him in here and there. Yeah. And they were like, and Dixie's like, does anyone know who this guy is? Like, what about this guy? And everyone's kind of, oh, he's, he's like a kid. He's like 21, you know? So, um, I get, <laughs> I get an email from James Denton, who was the, the editor of FSM at the time. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, this is going to be a little, it's like, he's like, I can't even believe I'm saying this, but, uh, do you mind if I give your number to Dixie Carter? She's asking for it. And I kind of went, what? Like, uh, yeah, I guess. I was actually in Canada at the time visiting family. I have family in BC. And I was like, so I was in Vancouver and I was, I was kind of like, okay. And I get a message from her right away. Like, hey, this is Dixie, you know, hey, Nick, this is Dixie Carter. Da, 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 da. Like, I'm, I'm wondering if you're interested in coming to wrestle for TNA Wrestling. And... I don't know if she, she must've known I was a wrestler because obviously the article pointed yeah. that out, talked about my, my time on the camps and stuff. Yeah. But it was almost like, it was like she was asking me if I was interested, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it wasn't like I was going like, hey, please give me a look, you know, would you be interested yeah. in like, you know, give me an opportunity. She's like asking me like, do you, you know, would you mind, would you, would you be interested in it? And I sort of went, yeah. <laughs> and I and I messaged her right back because she was like, "Oh, I'm I'm surprised you, you know, what time is it there?" And so I'm actually in Canada, so I'm, you know, so it's not that different. And and, and then we just it just came it just happened that quick. Wow, um, amazing. And then you know the, then you know next thing you know I'm talking to Terry Taylor and sorting it all out and you know on a on a plane to Nashville to shoot vignettes and all that. So yeah, it was. But to go to the reason I tell that story is because. Kurt Angle came over to do media and Kurt told me the story later on that he was in a hotel flipping through the channels in London or wherever. And uh, I had my own commercial at this point, but the character had done well. So they were running this commercial where they were, they sort of put together like some of my most, you know, silly, like heel kind of skits and bits and like promos and what have you. And, Kurt said, I saw this thing. He, he, called the, he called the office and said, I'm watching this TV show called Gladiators. And there's this kid on here who cuts promos exactly like a wrestler. And, and he's like, I don't know if he is a wrestler or not, but like, this guy can talk. And they went and they sent him a thing. Is it this guy? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, we just signed him. <laughs> so it was like, it was so funny how that went because Kurt was like, oh, I found a, I found a guy. And they were kind of like, no, we already found him. <laughs> what, you're surreal, is, though, well. what you're saying is yeah. I had the exact same thought process as Kurt Angle. I'll take that. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> You'll be well, running about yeah. days. <laughs> that was the thing. That show was so easy for me because I, the stuff I was doing was like wrestling 101. Yeah. So... Any, anyone who watched wrestling would just sort of go, ah, these are sort of just generic wrestling promos. It wasn't like I was, you know, I wasn't sort of doing anything revolutionary. You know, I was, uh, I was just sort of, I was honestly, at that point, that's, that's the thing about reps. Like I've been, before Gladiators, I've been wrestling on average about five or six days a week. So, you know, I'd never had a problem with, I, promos were always my strongest thing anyway, but, but I also just had, I had a, a bank of, of generic sort of go-to promos that worked with anyone, you know? So oh, when I, when I look out in the front row and I see the hair on this guy and the teeth on that guy and you know, the, the, it was just sort of, 
it was all very Actually. like yeah generic but, but but i'm putting it but you put it into that environment and all the producers and other like gladiators were going like what the like i remember one of the guys just saying to me cons i would ever I'd cut, I'd cut promos and I would, you know they wouldn't even use half of them but i would just go and go and go and i remember i came back one day and and, and uh sam who was atlas on that show he just goes how do you come up with this stuff he's like do you write it down because he was a real sort of he was like very uh, critical thinker like he wrote yeah. stuff down and you know so i said no i just this is what i do sam like i just sort of <laughs> i said I've, I've said these same things like 20 times at butlins you know it's just like it's not a big deal so i said that's you know and, and it was um that was how it, i was able to sort of get a, i guess a, you know a push on that show because richard wolf who was the the uh, head of the network head of sky one at the time yeah he was just like he took one look at that first time i did a, a sort of wrestling style promo and he was just like all right i want that every show so obviously as you, as you mentioned that obviously you ended up in tna uh, initially as uh, brutus magnus um you went yeah, into the yeah. <laughs> yeah, you and a million others <laughs> Uh, obviously going from capturing tag team gold twice, once with Doug and once with Samoa Joe, going on to win the world championship and even Global Forces World Championship as well, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So you had quite a good name going into it, but then obviously in the in more recent times, you've become a lot more synonymous with NWA. So right. how did that opportunity come about? Um, I, I finished up with, with TNA, uh, I had done a little stuff, a little bit of stuff with Jeff and Global Force, like you mentioned. Um, was quite enjoying it, but you know, it was, but Jeff was, as we now know, I didn't know at the time, but now we know that Jeff was, you know, battling a lot of issues at the time. Yeah. So it it was a very sort of sporadic. Like it would all it would all feel like we're doing a lot of stuff, and then suddenly it would just go cold. And yeah. So um, and so I was sort of left in this weird position because I felt like a lot of places. Like I had talked to Ring of Honor a little bit, um, and you know, aside from I did, a, you know, I did a couple of single shots back with Impact, as with the with Global Force and all that kind of things. I like worked with Del Rio and a couple of guys, but I sort of felt like, well, I feel like everyone's waiting for me to go to WWE, and that's not happening. Yeah. So then it was sort of like nobody wanted to sort of uh, commit too much of their time and effort to me because they all just assumed. I mean, I remember Jeff kind of going like, hey, you know, if you, you better tell me if they're talking to you, you know, because I can't. And I'll be like, Jeff, I'm not, I'm not going there. You know, so it was, but I think that was the sort of prevailing thought was that, oh, it's only a matter of time before he shows up there. Um, so it was sort of weird because I was, I was doing independence and um, Mickey was, Mickey was just starting to get back to work. And then out of the blue, she does the NXT thing. And then next thing you know, WWE want her back full time. So that kind of just completely changes our entire dynamic because we've got a two-year-old and it's like trying to figure it all out. And then um, we're getting ready to move. And I got a call from Dave Lagana, who I'd known from Impact. And he just said, like, what's going on with you? Why, like, are you... Are you like? Are you still Are you still working, or like, are you trying to move on to something else? Like, what are you doing, kind of thing? And I just, and I kind of explained to him where I was at because I sort of said I feel like this is what's happening, and uh, you know, I'm not going to WWE, 
Um, so, you know, <laughs> I'm open to suggestions. And he just, and he said, well, you know, Billy bought the NWA. I didn't know Billy. I, I didn't know him at all. I, I'd met him like briefly, very briefly on his, his first day at TNA was my last day. Yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of like, Hey, how you doing? This is awkward because you know I'm finishing up today. But hey, good bye luck. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then yeah, I just so uh, we just uh, I basically explained what I thought I could bring to the business at that point. Obviously, things have changed so much just in four years. It's funny, but like I sort of explained. You have to remember, AEW didn't exist. Yeah. You know, Ring of Honor was was in a much better position. It was. So yeah. it was sort of like. Um, I, I was sort of explaining like I feel like there's this gap in the market for um, a, a, a style of presentation that treats wrestling more like a sport again and treats yeah. it more like a sort of you know where we really focus on the sort of tradition and the, and the value of it and the sort of um, the prestige of a title match you know real prize yeah. fight that's yeah. the thing that's the word I kept using like the prize fight approach to, to pro wrestling as opposed to uh, Monday night style, you know, where yeah. it's sort of an episode every week and there's all this angles and, and stuff. And, you know, that, you know, that, that, that was one style of wrestling and it would taken over everything because obviously the, the success of it, but I was kind of like, you know, before the nineties, it was like, that wasn't how wrestling was presented at all. Yeah. It was totally different. It's just, that's just what everyone thinks wrestling is now because that's, what's been the genre since like yeah, yeah. nitro and Raw. like but it was rammed down our throats isn't it so yeah well and uh, you know but it's like that's a difficult thing to get into yeah like yeah. for a startup company right and i think that's and that's that's been an issue that even that the nwa faces is because people are immediately like okay when are you going to do when are you going to do uh, weekly shows and when are you going to do this and who's on your roster and when are your pay-per-views and it's kind of like whoa whoa slow down a minute like you know, it's kind of like you've got two choices. You're either got to be like an independent who just runs every now and then, or you've got to be like a fully operational, like, you know, corporation. It's kind of like, there's no middle ground. We were kind of like, well, I think we can try something different. And anyway, through, through us kind of just kicking around this, this sort of idea of how to just sort of make some, make, make content that was just different. That was like, well, can't, can't compete like by, just trying to do another show. So what do we have to do? Well, you have to get people out. to care about you. You have to get people to care yeah. about the, the personality. And that's how 10 pounds of gold um, was born and all that. So then it just sort of, it all happened very um, sort of uh, collaboratively. You know, it was, we were just kind of going, I like this. And I would send them all this HBO boxing stuff and Showtime stuff and, you know, things like that. And then I would say, can we try something like this, you know? And then, so that's when we just sort of, you know, found our own flavor with it. WA is having quite the renaissance as of late. And uh, for the vast majority of that, you were the face of Revival. Um, was it designed originally that way or was it something that you kind of took upon yourself to make happen? Uh, I'd probably say it was probably a little bit of both. I don't, I, I, I mean, obviously um, the, you know, the, the plan was for some time or other, I was going to get the belt and then, but we had this gem with Tim storm, you know, that people just sort of fell in love with. And he was like such a genuine, honest guy. And, it, 
you know, he plays such a, he's such an important part of, of, of getting the brand reestablished um, because he was so different to any other wrestling character that was being presented at that time because he was real and because he, he was honest and he was just a genuinely likable guy. Like he wasn't, there was no sort of, he just, he was like, my, by golly, I'm a school teacher from Texas and I just love wrestling and I love being the NWA champion. I know I'm not a big star, but you know, it's, it's means a lot to me. And everyone kind of went damn, that's like how you can't, I always say that you can't, you can't, you can't, um, you can't dispute something when it's authentic, right? Like you can't, um, you can, you know, you can decide you don't like it and you can say, ah, it's not for me, but you can't, like you, you can't kind of just you, you can't pick apart the actual for lack of a better term creative yeah if it's authentic because it's like hey well, we, we didn't create anything we just we just pointed we just we, we just, just pressed, play, we pressed yeah. record right and and um and i think that that sort of that approach helped me too because i was able to have the freedom to just say yeah like uh, I had a good run in TNA and then things kind of went a bit cold and I wasn't sure what to do. And everyone, again, everyone just sort of went, wow, that's refreshing. Like nobody, nobody kind of acknowledges as if, or if they do, they do it in a way that's like, I'm angry and oh, I'm going to shoot, you know, da, da, da. and everyone sort of goes, Oh, okay. You know, whereas I was just like, no, I'm just like, this is my chance. I'm going to try to do something with it. And then, so then when, when I got it, it was, um, it was evident that people were starting to, get with it because I got booked all over the world to defend the title, which then again was not planned, but it was then something that we just leaned into it just to say, Hey, well, I, that's a pretty interesting show right there is just following me around defending the title for now. We'll just, we'll just do that. You know, the, the oldest quest, if I remember correctly, the oldest crusade. Yeah. Crusade. Sorry. Yes. 20 defenses in 20 countries, if I remember, something like something along those lines. Crazy. Yeah, we did four different continents. I know that. We did, wow. uh, and obviously, it's like, so yeah, really it's cool go to back to being the traveling world champion of old. Yeah, yeah, ex exactly. And it was a way to, uh, you know, we, get, we sort of said, look, uh, obviously, you're never going to go back to the days of the territories. Yeah. But with all these great independents that existed, and still exist. There's a new way to do it in the sort of digital age, yeah. you know. And that was again, that was that was, and people got people mm. got it because it was, um, it was a good. People, I think, you know, for the most part, like, I kind of anticipated that there would get there would be a lot of politics of like, oh well, my guy can't lose, and you know this kind of thing. But actually, we really didn't like people pretty quickly understood no, the best thing to do here is to have is to just have like a, a, a killer match and, you know, make everybody believe that, you know, this was the, 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 a real world title match happening in their hometowns. There's a lot of small towns and a lot of smaller shows. And because of the, the way that we were shooting it and documenting it and stuff it gave a lot of those promotions a sort of a sense of pride that they could sort of be involved with it. And at the, so it was working both ways because we needed, we needed shows for me to go, to go work on. And they, 
you know they in turn benefited from the the attention um and yeah, the sort absolutely. of and the momentum and 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 whoever i worked with for the most part i feel like whoever i wrestled you know ended up sort of coming out the other end better and, and yeah, I, it's fine it's not i'm not taking any credit for it but if you mm. actually go back and look at like 2018 mm. like a lot of the guys that i wrestled for the for the title in that during that time within a couple of years were signed somewhere yeah know? so it's, and again that. like that's that's i'm not saying that's because of me but what i'm saying is that it was a good example of how like i was wrestling the best guys on the independence yeah. you were wrestling like, the top of the top of the top right it was uh, like you know, i was charts. you know i wrestled like jonah rock and robbie eagles you know back yeah. to back in australia you know and then it was like i would wrestle you know i would go to like House of Hardcore and I wrestled like Brian Cage or I wrestled Lance Hoyt in Texas, you know, and all this yeah. stuff was kind of like that. I mean, it, that's the NWA, right? Like that's pretty much so the sort out. of the, the NWA essence. Yeah. yeah. So obviously you mentioned, you know, you, you were having a run with the title and that was December 9th, 2017, when you won the title for the first time, um, beating Tim Storm. And, you know, aside from the brief Cody Rhodes reign, you pretty much held that title for four years. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware, you might well be, but it means that you're actually the sixth longest reigning NWA world champion in history and also okay, the longest I mean, modern knew, day I, champion. I knew it was uh, I knew it was up there for like combined days, yeah. but I didn't know it was sixth. But yeah, that's yeah, sixth overall. Cool. Now, that's and, an, and, that's and, an amazing and, achievement. Um, well, it is, especially I mean, the people. Yeah, yeah and I it, like I know that there's always going to be people who go, well, during COVID he didn't do anything, you know, and that's and that's unfortunate, and it's it is what it is. It wasn't by but, choice, um, obviously. It was, yeah, and just... and it's kind of like, um, but then having said that, you know, I held it for a pretty good amount of time after after we started getting back to work. Anyway, yeah. So. Absolutely, I remember. I've I've followed NWA from the restart every week, and yeah, it, I I genuinely thought it might be something they might there might be like a title change, but no, I, I love the fact that you continue to hold it and continue to carry the brand forward at a time when it really needed it. Obviously, just to reestablish that that momentum that was lost from the enforced break, really. Yeah, uh, and I think that was that's probably why I take the most pride in is that there wasn't. Um... It, it, it was, you know, apart from like the the, the, the trolls who were always going to troll, you know, it was yeah, like there was there was a for the most part it was yeah it was everyone just it felt it felt like the right thing for, for for the audience you know so yeah is it was it hard to sort of carry the title and live up to past names that have held the belt people like Harley Race, Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, just to name a few, and I you think... know to continue being the real world's champion. Well, yes, I guess it is, but at the same time, it's also like you want that. Like I wanted it, uh, you know. I and look, I want that belt back. And it's um, I've never, I've never ever compared myself to Rick or Harley or you know Dusty or Dory or any of these guys. Um, I've always said that I just I want to be, I want to do them proud, right? Like because. You know, you can't compare yourself. Like right. that's number one. You know, the worst thing that happens in wrestling today, and I and I find and this, I think it's real. I think it's a real. I, it's kind of a problem for our for my generation as a whole. Is that 
because there's so much archive sort of great footage now is it's like as soon as somebody starts doing well immediately people start saying he's the next yeah this guy he's the next stone cold he's the next Shawn michaels he's yeah. the next you know and and that's a kiss of death for me i've always sort of i've always just again just tried to be authentic about it and be like hey i'm heavily influenced by harley race heavily influenced by rick flair heavily influenced by nick bockwinkle heavily influenced by bret hart like so if you see a little bit of all of those guys in what I'm doing, then like I'm then I, I take that as a huge compliment, uh, and hopefully somewhere along the line, you know, it, it starts to become the Nick Aldis style, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because Ric Flair borrowed a little bit from Dusty, a little bit from Billy Graham, a little bit from Terry Funk, a little bit from Wahoo McDaniel, you know, a little yeah. bit from Buddy Rogers. So it was, you know, it's really the same thing. It's kind of how it's, it's really what most wrestlers do. And again, I just sort of followed their lead, but obviously having, you know, having a, a relationship with Harley was, uh, it was good to be able to sort of lean into that and use that. And for me, like the biggest, um, the, 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 all the, all the, all of the motivation and confirmation I needed was to have heart, you know, to be to get endorsed by Harley and by Dory, you know, and and then later by Rick in St. Louis. Yeah. So, like, you know, for for you know, Dory shook my hand and said, "I'm proud of everything that you've done because you, no matter what happens, you've left us in a better state than you found it." You know, Harley you had previously, yeah, Harley had previously had previously kind of stayed away from any of the new nwa stuff because you know a lot of it had been really bad yeah. um and then once he once he once he saw what i was doing and because obviously i'd been to his camp and everything he he then invited me to come you know defend the title in missouri and then he said all right but let's let's do this on camera and he you know talked to me about gave me advice and talked to me about being champion and what it means and you know and and shook my hand at the end and said, thank you for what you're doing, you know, and then in St. Louis for Rick uh, to say, you know, obviously I lost the title that night, but Rick was, you know, for Rick to say, you guys just put on a clinic, you know, for yeah, wrestling. Yeah. It's like, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's the whole point of being the champion, you know, is to sort of, it, the, I've, I've held it twice, but the, but, for me, I take most a lot of pride in the fact that most people can identify, like, can remember the the two times that I was beaten for it. Yeah, because yeah. they were meaningful. You know, yeah. Cody and Cody in Chicago, and and then Trevor in St. Louis. It's like, yeah, they they were they were moments. You know, moments in time for the yeah, belt. Definitely. And so that's that's really all you can hope for is uh, you know if uh, when you're holding a belt, that's the whole point. Yeah, I recently told them an amazing story with Trevor Murdoch with the uh, £10 of gold in the centre of it, as we just talked about. Um, I mean, obviously, what a programme it was uh, as a whole. Um, and secondly, what were your thoughts on the feud and the match that came with it? I loved it. I loved everything about it. I was... Um, took. A, a, I, I mean, I think for me, it's up, it's up there for me with, with the stuff I did with Cody or the stuff I did with Tim Storm or the stuff I did with Marty, you know, because... It was, um, you know, the, for me, the, the championship is, is, it's, you know, they, they say, does the champion make the belt or the belt make the champion? Well, the champion makes the belt, okay? But once you've made the belt, now the belt has a chance to make somebody else. But 
the other part of that is the champion you know the championship is only as good as the quality of the challenges and and the stories that are being told so for me my favorite sort of uh programs that i've been in a bit of people have a real contrast to me so yeah. cody and i it was kind of like we're we come from completely different backgrounds like there are similarities i guess in some of the you know some of the way we sort of present ourselves or at least you know the way we try to present ourselves but the backgrounds are totally different right he's yeah. you know he's dusty yeah. Rhodes kid so it's yeah. like he's kind of so that we leaned into that where it's kind of like okay yeah like you had no struggles you had no you had you know you didn't have to fight for anything like you had you know here you are right you've so you've sort of uh it's a, it, you know it's it's just a birthright you know yeah and then marty and i is a totally different dynamic it's it's we've been friends for forever but now he's on this wave of popularity and i and and i'm jealous and i'm going like hey i'm the world champion you should be paying attention to me so it's, again it's a completely different sort of dynamic yeah tim storm it's like here's this old you know here's this guy in his 50s who's kind of on his having this last great run and people are sort of falling in love with him and here's this guy in his 30s who's ready to who's kind of like no this is my time it's you know it's i'm i'm on, I'm on my peak and it's a sort of you know it's, it's the kind of it's the delaying the inevitable right it's kind yeah. of like the i'm sorry i have to do this but you know i'm gonna have to take you out and then with trevor it was like it was so fun because i could really full on you know just full on go into the i'm better than you type of yeah thing like and that really came across as well in, in the character and yeah just the story to me it's like i don't i don't care what anyone says like wrestling is supposed to be simple and most of the time when wrestling is bad it's because someone's tried to overcook it and over yeah. overproduce it and they've tried to be steven spielberg you know and they want it to because they really want it to be about them actually yeah. you know because they because they because they, they want the storylines to be so elaborate and so ridiculous and so over the top that that, that everyone's just talking about the story as opposed to the the, the people but wrestling's about the people, you know, and with Trevor and I, it was so much of it just writes itself. Um, and because we had the freedom to just go, hey, it's it's right there in front of you, you know, like you're, you know, you're, uh, again, it, the cool thing was that it's, it's nice when you have massive differences, but then you have things that you have in common. Yeah. So for us, it was the common thread of, race and the belt like he wants to be champion so badly because of you know because because who, who doesn't well yeah and because harley race you know because harley race kind of it would you know because if he was he was harley's kind of prize student but outside of those two things we could not be more different you know yeah. like i'm i'm the i'm custom-made suits and i'm you know endorsements and i'm trying to and i'm being media savvy and i'm yeah all this up and he's and then there's uh, Trevor uh, flannel shirts. Family, and right. yeah. He's a family. He's a family man. He's a, he's a you know he doesn't work out. He 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 you know he's a, all about like just getting it done in the ring. And he drinks beer. And he had and he, you know and he's a blue collar guy. And uh, that still works. Great contrast. It does. And yeah, 
on a on a on a slightly personal note there um the match that you had at not hard times at the pay-per-view before i can't remember which one it was um when when the when the disqualification happened and you walked away as still the champion mm-hmm. that worked brilliantly in my favor because we do a predictions league and i ended up winning that night so that oh, helped nice. me massively <laughs> it's still a bitter point of contention had to bring it up had to had to mention it um so another thing obviously people may not know is that you're also a businessman developing a wide range of supplements as well as other health products uh they can be found and bought over on is it legacysups.com yes yeah Yeah. so can you tell us a little about that yeah uh it's i've like i mentioned before i got into I got into weight training and bodybuilding and nutrition and everything very young. I was really into it and it became like wrestling came first, but, but because of wrestling, then I, I, again, looking at it practically, I went, I went, okay, sort of, I got to get, I wanted to be in shape. And I think on some level I always wanted to, but it was wrestling that finally made me go, okay, now that's, now I have something to shoot for. Right. Cause it's yeah. important to have a goal. You know, that's, that's a big thing with, with getting in shape is it's like, if you have a certain milestone that you want to accomplish. So for me, it was like, I need to look like the guys on TV mm. and, uh, or at least as close to it as I can. And, uh, so I started subscribing to all the magazines and buying the books and Arnold, and you know, Frank Zane and, you know, Dave Draper, anyone I could get my hands on Dorian. And, um, so supplements sort of has been a mate has, has been a sort of just a, a a standard part of my life for you know two thirds of it and over over time I sort of thought you know that would I, I would like to get into that business because I kind of like um, I like the idea of marketing a range of products that I would use yeah you know. Um, because I know there are so many out there, but if I can, if I can find a way to sort of make it, I want it to be, I want them to have this, you know, trusted, simple kind of quality to them, but also to be very, uh, very well defined for like what they're, what you're, what the purpose is, like what you're trying to accomplish with these. Yeah. And um, with the pandemic and lockdown was, I finally had, the time to actually really just get going with it. I can't, yeah. I'm not, don't get me wrong. I, I, I can, I can binge watch with the best of them, but I don't, I don't do very well sitting still for yeah. too long. Yeah. So the, the lockdown thing right away, I, I was actually after a while after, you know, obviously it was weird for everyone, but yeah. after a while, I actually sort of, I remember sort of getting quite excited about it because I was, first of all, and I say this with all sincerity, you know, Mickey and I were very lucky because WWE continued to pay her and yeah. the NWA continued to pay me. So yeah. we were very blessed. Uh, and so, which is one of the reasons why I'm very loyal to the NWA. But, um, the, so, yeah. but I had, but, you know, so we had that freedom, but was Mickey started her podcast during that time with, with Lisa and Val and, you know, and I just, sort of got just got stuck in and just go okay right how do I do this you know setting up the LLC and getting all the you know getting all the insurance and everything sorted out and the products and finding the manufacturers and you know just working through it bit by bit and uh it's 
it's it, we had a really good year one we're profitable um we're expanding the the line you know mickey's heading up the, the women's line and so we're you know we're, and we're building a, a a base of customers now we've shipped uh i want to say we've 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 now had customers in about 11 or 12 different countries we just had mm -hmm. our first orders from japan this week and spain um so you know we're, we're starting to you know we're sort of reaching out and um you know the the next thing on the on the horizon for the business now is to scale which is hard for any any business owner will tell you it's like the, it's yeah. it's a it's a it's a real it's the real true test of being a business owner is it very much is yeah. scaling um but we're fortunate that we're in that position where we need where we we're trying to figure out how to do it and uh the next step is to hopefully get some nationwide retailers so a, a theme of your career seems to have been that fans either love you and sing your praises or their armchair sort of talent scouts who do right. nothing but criticize uh, right. what, what's your take on that probably doing something right i guess i mean <laughs> i think you i think for the most part you were you the same could probably be said of most uh wrestlers who fit a certain profile yeah like i've never painted myself as the sort of um anti-establishment you know friend of the friend of the nerds sort of thing but i've also just i've also just always been like very honest about like hey i'm just trying to make money and be successful and and uh you know have a good career so i genuinely i mean obviously look when i was younger <laughs> uh you know that you react differently to that stuff and you and we all and look i, I my career spans pre-social media yeah. to to today so you know my generation were some of the first who were sort of really trying to navigate all that um and i'm sure if i were to go back and look at stuff i would probably cringe yeah you know how but but for the most part i've always joked that um i've been i've been underrated and overrated for my entire career yeah right like so there's there 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 would be there'll be there'll be some you know there's, there's always some kind of narrative out there that i'm overrated from people who don't like me and there's and then there'll be all this stuff that i'm underrated because i haven't wrestled in wwe so it's, it's sort of like, all right, well, look, how about this? I don't really, I don't think that there's, I don't think that even exists. I don't think that's a, there's no such thing as being overrated or underrated. I think there's being overexposed or underexposed. And I think that you can be overpushed and underpushed. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's a subjective business. Yeah. yeah. If, if, you, if you can't stand me, just seeing me at all on the show is going to be too much. Yeah. Right. One, if you, if you, if you hate my guts, then, then one minute of me on screen is, is over overbearing. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's, it's all like, all right, well, you know, Hey, sorry, you feel that way. Um, we, we but it's worked out pretty well. Uh, and I, uh, I, <laughs> I think that uh, you have to, you have to stay, um, you have to sort of stay, on track with what are you really trying to accomplish here yeah. are you trying to accomplish 
are you trying to are you trying to have a good career and make money and be successful and uh, build something for other people to make money as well, or are you trying to get critical acclaim? Yeah, you know. And look, if they can both happen at the same time, great. But only one of them is actually necessary. Yeah, yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. Um, one to the last couple of questions now. So. Obviously, being from the UK, you'll be completely familiar. <laughs> this is the one he's been waiting for. You'll be completely familiar with what space raiders are. So yeah. there's, there's a long-running debate on, on the Real Wrestling Podcast over what the best flavor mm. of space raiders is. Who better th to tell us than the world champion? I don't, I don't, <laughs> it's been so long since I had space raiders that I'm not even sure I could remember. I mean, was pickled onion a flavor? Pickled onion was space one, was beef one. was one. It was a good one. I think pickled onion. Oh, yes. Brilliant. I mean, Brilliant. I, I, I I'm only saying that because that's the only one I, that sprung to mind. So I'm assuming that must have been the one that, that I must always be the one that was for. most. Yeah, it must be the one yeah. you for the most. Yeah. yeah. Most oh. memorable. Chalk another one. Pickled onion, pickled onion, monster munch. Yeah. Pickled onion, monster munch, man. There you go. Chalk the another American, one up to the pickled onion section. The American, the Americans have got the, the American crisps are so shit. They, they, they? <laughs> got, no, their crisps are they're so shit. They're American chocolate bars and American crisps, just it's just it's just shit. They don't know. They, they don't, they've got don't no, no imagination, you, right? It's just it's all just it's all just plain, you know, potato chips, just crisps, yeah. right? There's no, yeah. they're like monster munch. There's no knickknacks cheetos cheetos oh, are, yeah cheetos yeah. are kind of similar but like i mean like when i was a kid it was like hula hoops uh yeah. monster munch yeah um yeah. uh frazzles yeah oh man, all, frazzles, all incredible <laughs> and american chocolate just tastes like it's just it, i don't even it's it just tastes, tastes like artificial you know like on friends where they had that mocklet Mocklet. That's what Americans, <laughs> that's what I imagine American chocolate like. This, it's, oh, I don't know what they do like to it, but it's just not, they, do, they don't, they can't, it's like a English milk chocolate. And I'm telling you, like, even like Mickey and, and a lot of my American friends, once they went to England and they had English chocolate, they went, wow, this is so much better. But like, what's the deal? And I don't know whether it's, it must be some sort of regulation here about dairy or something, but it just doesn't taste the same. And, and yeah. again, just sort of, They've got, you know, there's a lot of different types of bars and everything, but, but like, you can't, you can't beat They're like all kind of the same. None they? of the same. Yeah. Not, not, not Cadbury's, not, you know, and not um, Galaxy, you know. The, yeah. Yeah. You know, when, when, you know, when I, when I was a kid, I had, you know, I had my sort of pocket money and I would, you know, you, I mean, you, I remember like you would divide it up into daily. Yeah. Like, okay. This one's I've got a five pounds. One's, I've got yeah. five pounds. That I've got to make last. You know, I've got to make this fiver last until next Monday. So, <laughs> if I go in today to the shop after school, and I get you know one pack of hula hoops, that's thirty five p, and then you know a, a, a Freddo, <laughs> yeah, like you, you know, you only like whatever money, you, and then like you'd work out how many pennies you had left, <laughs> and you go, okay, I'm going to get this many fruit salads. You remember fruit yeah. salads? Oh. Yes. The old pick and mix, what a legendary thing these were. They were amazing. Yeah. You know, it's 30p for a Freddo now. It's ridiculous. Oh, Unbelievable. Honestly. I mean, um, not, you know, forget, 
forget how, forget a, a, a full tank of petrol or a gallon of milk as the barometers of inflation. Yeah, yeah, it's all about the barometer. Uh, how, much the is a, how much is a fudge? <laughs> all right, is it still 15 now? No, it's Right. It's, it's a, just I, mad. I, I remember when a fudge was 15p. Oh, so do I. Good days. Or what was the one that was I know. Chomp. Chomp, yeah. That was the one. Yeah, they're 30p and all now. It's ridiculous. World's gone. World's gone to shit, Nick. <laughs> all right. After that amazing uh, talk about crisps and sweets, that's one 0 to the UK over America, may I add? Um, we'll go. We'll get, we'll get back to some normality with the last question. What is next for Nick Aldis? Oak Grove, Kentucky, power trip. Uh, I got to get through this I Quit match with Tom, and then. As far as I'm concerned, uh, I feel like it's time for me to stop messing around with personal issues and start making my way back to where I belong, which is the top of the heap, world's champion. Back to the 10 pounds of gold. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Well, that's that's pretty much all we've got uh, for Nick today. Thank you very much, Nick, for joining us. It's been a genuine pleasure. Yeah, thank you absolute thrill uh all nick's links will be in the description below so do uh follow nick on all his uh social media which i assume is uh at real nick at real nick Aldis on twitter at nick Aldis on instagram verified on both and uh, yeah please if you're in the market for um any uh any uh, nutritional supplements that will help get you get you and your body to level up to the next level uh we ship to the uk so LegacySubs.com and you can use code Aldis for 10% off. There you go. As I say, there will be a link in the description below. There will also be a link on the website uh, to promote it. Uh, that all that remains for us to say is thank you very much for joining us today, Nick. Yeah. Thank you thank to you. all of you at home for watching. And we will, of course, see you next time. Mm -hmm.